Dog Nation. You're invited to take your seat. Take a seat. At the Warriors Roundtable. Left side, it's a three. In and out, rebound. Out to Curry. Let's it fly. Three ball. Left corner pocket. Welcome to the table. On the exclusive home of your Golden State Warriors. 95-7 the game. Curry fires away. Three ball. Above the break. Here's Kevin Dana. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Warriors Roundtable on 95.7 The Game. Kevin Dan alongside Gary St. Jean talking Warriors shooty hoop with you all hour long from 6 to 7 p.m. We're taking your calls all hour long as well at 888-957-9570. We'd like to remind you that the Warriors 2022-23 season is presented by Kaiser Permanente. Well, Gary, let's start with the win last night in Oklahoma City of of course, a place that Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Klay Thompson have very fond memories of over the years. And it really was that fantastic first quarter that keyed the Warriors' win to get them to two games above 500 for the third time all season. They were 13-11, and 20-18, and 18, and they are now 26-24. and 24. That first quarter really set the tone. We'll get into the rest of the game, what they needed to do to hold on down the stretch later. But really, that first quarter was a nice tone setter. Well, Kev, uh, that's just what the doctor ordered, a great road win against one of the surprise teams in the West, Oklahoma yeah. City. They've got an all-star in Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Uh, Dork didn't play last night, and I really like Giddy. Uh, just a tremendous coaching job there, and uh, so it's a quality win. People may say, Oklahoma City's good. Yeah, they're, they're, they're knocking at the door of 500. And uh, they've been tough to beat. They really attack off the bounce. And I thought the Warriors' defense early was really strong. They kept the ball in front of them. They didn't commit fouls. They got in the open floor. And, of course, the two Hall of Famers, to be, were fantastic. Uh, Clay and Steph just turned back the clock. They look like the old days to me. And when they're shooting like that, you know Draymond's getting them the ball. So the big three was in were in high, you know, high octane, and and you know what you you did this with Wiggins still coming back and not being maybe at his peak, and you know pools okay, and you know nobody stupendous off the bench, but I, I just thought it it set the tone for the whole game, Kev. Yeah, no, it really did, and we'll get into Wiggins in a little bit. I, I actually thought that's probably the best he's looked yep. since the adductor in- injury. He had that big three early on, big for him just because it hadn't been falling for him. He'd been shooting like 23% from beyond the arc after returning from the adductor injury. But this league got to 21 points. It was cut down to two twice late in the fourth quarter, and the Warriors were able to hold on. And I kind of want to make this point because I feel like I see whenever, and it's not just Warriors games, you, you, you'll hear fans and people in the media talking about, oh, this team, X team can't hold on to a lead. Oh, X team blew a 24-point lead. I mean, the reality of it is, is that this is NBA basketball. These are professional basketball players. And the longer a game goes on, for the most part, the more it's going to kind of gravitate towards 50-50. Because most of these games are a near coin flip. When you get elite level talent like this, 
it, it, it's going to come down to a couple of plays here or there. And obviously, you're going to have your blowouts from time to time. But if every game is basically 50-50 or 60-40 at most, over time, these games are just going to get closer. That's, that's kind of how the numbers work. And so, to me, it's not about having a 21-point lead cut to two. It's about being able to hold on to that lead once it gets cut that close. And that's what Golden State was able to do last night. Let me share uh, as a, you know, an old coach that when you're on the road and you're up 20 in the first and you're playing against a very good team, like I said, a surprise team, nobody drives the ball to the paint more than this team in the NBA. So you know they've been playing really well. Uh, so you know they're going to get back in the game. So that 20-point margin, you say, oh, geez, we got this one. I can go make the popcorn and get a cold drink and whatever. This is all set. Baloney, because of respect and what you just uh, expounded. And uh, so with that said, you, you, you stiffened up your back. You, you did the job. You make big plays when you had to. And you walk away with a quality road rim, rim, and you can, you know, hopefully come out of this road trip if you can, if you can win two out of three. I think it's terrific. I am one hundred percent with you on that, Gary. If you can take two of three from Oklahoma City, Minnesota, and Denver, we're going to break down those games later on in the show. The Minnesota and the Denver games that are coming up on a back to back tomorrow and Thursday night. But I think you'd be in pretty solid shape well mentioned that Oklahoma City cut it to two they had a chance to tie it and Shea Gilgis Alexander was going to try to take Kevon Looney to the hoop not a smart idea Looney gets the block Jordan Poole gets the corner three on the other end by the way Jordan Poole was off to a rough start on corner threes this year he missed like his first 17 or 19 corner threes he's hit 10 of his last 27 25 somewhere in that range so he's coming along in the corner three department even though he didn't have a hot game last night he had a monster shot one of the biggest shots of the game but going back to Looney it it feels like Gary that every guard opposing guard just kind of licks their lips when they see Looney switch out to them, thinking that they're just going to be able to burst by uh, Kavon Looney, who does not appear to be a very fast individual from NBA standards. And more often than not, he stonewalls that guard. Well, Kev, let's go back to last year when they were playing Dallas in the playoffs. And who did I tell you that the Dallas staff did not want to get involved in the pick and roll Looney. With their small attacking Looney. That that was yep. really preached. They wanted him weak side low. They didn't want him up high, so they tried to keep him out of it. Now, when you look at Alexander, he's kind of a throwback, Kev, because he doesn't live and die by the three. He's very yeah. happy with mid-range and getting to the free throw line at a great rate and finishing at the rim. So he's young. Maybe he didn't read the scouting port, and maybe... He's looking and saying, oh, that old guy, you know, he's not too quick. I can blow by him. Well, a few guys have learned that those long arms and those instincts really pay off for Loon. And uh, that was just another classic example of a young guy saying, "Uh, I can beat this vet. I can take care of business, small on big, off the bounce. Get that weak stuff out of here, Kev. (laughs) <laughs> Get it out of here, Gary. And that's exactly what Kevon Looney 
did there. Then also, you touched on it earlier, Gary, but the Splash Brothers were in their element last night. I mean, Steph with another monster game, finishing with 38, 8, and 12. He connected on 8 of 14 threes. Clay, 28, 7, and 3, 6 of 14 from downtown. And really, both of them, it wasn't just the efficiency, but when they hit some of those shots. Clay, the, the dunk and the baseline jumper late. Of course, Steph hitting kind of a semi-dagger three to put it up, put the lead up to eight with about two and a half minutes to go right after a turnover. And Gary, you know, he, he got mad at himself after making that turnover, kind of a careless pass. And when you see him get mad at himself or at the officials, you know that he's going to make up for it as soon as possible. And he certainly did in that situation. Well, <laughs> we've seen that for a lot of years. And... Yeah. uh they both got immense pride. When, when you break down Clay's last 10 games, he's playing as well as he's ever played in his career. I mean, it, it's really remarkable what he's doing. And uh, gosh, Kev, when he's taking it off the bounce now, he went on the left side one time and finished right. He blew by the guy. Yeah. And he looked so confident shooting the basketball. And whether it's the three or the mid-range, that's a real confident Clay Thompson, just what the Warriors need. And and you, boy, I I tell you what, you know Steph took a vacation there with the injury. He looks right back where he was, maybe as good or better. I mean, he looks tremendous. So you know what? When those two are cooking like that, it's a sight to behold. And uh, you know what? You just got to understand that these are two fabulous players, and when they got it going. Nobody wants to play them. Yeah, some stats kind of back up the point you're making, Gary. Over his last 13 games, Clay Thompson's averaging more than 27 points per game, and he's got his season average up to 21 points per game, 21.1. The year before his uh, his first major injury, the torn ACL, he was at 21.5 in the 18-19 season. So he's not far off that pace. Now he was significantly more efficient from the field that year. He shot 47%. He's at 42% this year. But but this raw scoring numbers are, are really starting to come up, and he was at 20.4 points per game last year. And then with respect to Stephen Curry, his last three games, Gary, he's been absolutely incredible. 35.7 points, 8.7 assists, and 53% from downtown. Well, you're you're the man with the numbers. Is he the oldest guy to get thirty five and ten, something like that, uh, in in back to back games? I mean, the guy. Wow, I mean, he just he's not he's drank some good stuff. Father Time's not catching up with him. If anything, he looks so much stronger and just taking the ball to the rack. I mean, he's yeah. Guys are just uh, unable to keep him in front. Now, listen, when you when you're getting crowded like that, when you got two people jumping at you, you know, you can you can get in that paint and then he slows down and reads the play. He distributes to open teammates of a big rotates to him. And if not, he's finishing and he finishes at the rim at one of the highest in the league in at, in a guard position. So uh you you got something special going right now and and if they can stay healthy, which everybody needs to do, if they can stay healthy, I you know, Kev, don't you have a little feeling that uh, things are really starting to come together? It, they have won five of their last seven. Those two losses were tough 
losses to very good teams in the Eastern Conference. They probably feel like they should be 7-0 and in their last seven games. But as it is, two games above 500, and currently the five seed, and they might be the four seed by the end of tonight, considering what... Uh, the, how, depending on how the Bulls-Clippers game goes, the Bulls are at uh, the half with a four-point lead over the Clippers. But it is such a jumbled mess that we will get to in a little bit here on the show. Fans, we'd like to remind you that the Santa Cruz Warriors are coming to Chase Center. Join us live on Saturday, March 4th, to watch the Santa Cruz Warriors take on the Cleveland Charge, the G League affiliate of the Cleveland Cavaliers. The first 10,000 fans will receive a Captain Clay bobblehead. Tickets on sale now at warriors.com. We're going to take a break. When we come back, a little bit more on the Oklahoma City Thunder and the bright future they have. Are the Warriors turning a corner? We'll point to some numbers that might show a sign of the team making real strides. We'll take a look ahead at this upcoming two games to wrap up the road trip here on 95.7 The Game. The Warriors Roundtable has returned on 95.7 The Game. Now back to Kevin Dana and Gary St. Jean. Join us live at Chase Center on February 6th, next Monday, for Bruce Lee night. While the Dubs face the Oklahoma City Thunder, the first 10,000 fans in attendance receive a Bruce Lee night shirt. Get your tickets now at warriors.com or call 888-GSW-HOOP. Representatives are standing by. And speaking of the Thunder, do want to finish with, with a thought or two on Oklahoma City because... I think both you and I, Gary, love the direction that the Thunder are going in. And starting with the coaching staff, Mark Dagnall, I've, I've been around this guy while. Well. He was a head coach in the G League for four or five years at the Oklahoma City Blue, their G League team. I had a chance to talk to him all the time. I actually interviewed him for about an hour and a half uh, during the pandemic. Uh, I love his sideline demeanor. He He's a Ralph Willard, a, a former Holy Cross head coach, uh, among other places, was an assistant with the Knicks. Uh, Ralph Willard disciple, a Billy Donovan disciple. And, and just, I think, exactly the kind of temperament you want from your head coach. And, and is a really good developer of talent. Then you, you look at who they have on the roster Shea Gilgis-Alexander, I think, is a no-doubter all-star. Uh, you know, I think Golden State, while they defended him very well in the first half, I think they're also lucky he didn't go for, like, 40 points in that game because he left some of those mid-range shots uh, up on the table. There were some that he was getting to his spots. He just wasn't making shots. And they didn't have Lou Dort last night. I mean, Jalen Williams of Santa Clara is a heck of a player. Jalen Williams of Arkansas has done some really nice things, and he's shooting like 39% for three, not to mention Josh Giddy. They're going to have Chet Holmgren next year. And look, I, I think they're probably just going to miss the play in this year. So if they get some lottery luck, they wind up with a, a top five-ish pick if they get a Thompson twin a a Wemby a, a Scoot Henderson a Brandon Miller I mean, this team is really set up nicely for the future Gary well that's a great breakdown and uh, you know I I don't know much about these uh that young guy and uh, but boy he sure has impressed me you know a simple thing they space beautifully and they don't catch the ball and, and attack in a stationary way they're into movement without the ball as it comes toward them. For example, there may be a dribble hand up. So you catch it and you got a little speed behind you to, to attack. I'll tell you what, that guy Dort, I didn't know much about him, but I've been watching him. You don't want to play against him. 
You're going to have to go in the cold tub after the game because he's as (laughs) physical a young defender as I've seen in a long time. And, you know, you expounded on on this guy's family tree. So if I look at Ralph Willard, who I knew knew 30 years ago, and his son also a terrific coach, uh, and you look at Billy Donovan, they start from the uh, Rick Pitino tree. And uh, so and then that, that goes to Hubie Brown. So what you're talking about is expert teachers who are really terrific on the defensive end. And uh, he's a smart young guy because he listened to those guys. And he does look uh, really confident and in charge on that sideline. And you may note of it, they got enough draft picks to supply the whole league. Yeah. So Sam Presti goes a little bit out of the box. Sam's from... Concord, Massachusetts, where my wife MJ's from, and uh, there you go. so I know him from way back when, and, and uh, you know what? That's an out of the box hire, and that's a great hire. So they're they're just positioned great for the future. I I totally agree with you. Yeah, they're going to be a lot of fun to monitor over the next handful of seasons. Now, we we teased going into the break uh, that we were going to mention a stat that perhaps is a sign of a Golden State team making real strides. And to me, it's assist-to-turnover ratio. Because over the last two games, 77 assists to 29 turnovers. We've talked a lot about the turnover struggles. It's nothing new for Golden State. It's a problem they've had for quite some time. But this year, second worst team at taking care of the basketball. But in these last two games, 40 assists against 14 turnovers in the Toronto win. 37 assists against 15 turnovers against Oklahoma City. And they assisted on all 15 of their makes in the first quarter against the Thunder last night. I I mean, look, it's the ball movement, and even with that level of ball movement where you'd expect kind of more turnovers, basically if you have a 2-to-1 assist-to-turnover ratio as a team, you're going to lead the league in that stat category. So if you have 40 assists, 20 turnovers isn't necessarily terrible, but if 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 you're assisting high 30s and you're only turning it over 14 to 15 times, that is a team that is offensively in sync. Well, Kev, you know, that, that looked like vintage, old-time warrior basketball. And that's my favorite stat, the assist-turnover ratio. If they can stay somewhere, you just hit on it. If they can stay somewhere in the 14-15 category, they lead the league in assists uh, games over 30. Now, when you knock on the door of 40, I'm, I'm having a hard time believing you're going to lose. I, I really yeah. am. Uh, and again, it's a testimony to Steve and the, the style of play that he's implemented. And uh, it, it's just great team basketball. And again, that, that uh, mantra, uh, I have a good shot, but Kevin's got a great shot. Move the ball along. Let's play together. And, uh, you know, when, you're, when your best players do that, when that message is, is received by your players, and uh, when this team plays defense, plays defense and doesn't foul and they get the assist turnover ratio, now you're talking about a very successful team. Yes, you are. And it's a big reason why 
Golden State won those last two games against the Raptors and the Thunder, and why they are two games above 500 for the third time all year, and they're going to look to go three games above 500 for the first time all season tomorrow night in Minnesota. Now, Minnesota had had its struggles, but they've been coming on as of late. They lost a tough one in overtime to Sacramento last night, but they have been playing much better as of late. They are right there with Golden State in terms of being two games above 500. The Minnesota Timberwolves are, or they're one game above 500 right now. They're 27 and 26, but they had won six of their previous nine before losing to the Sacramento Kings last night. Anthony Edwards has really been playing some really good basketball. But to me, Gary, you look at Minnesota and Denver, this is the one they really need to get because you, you want to try to separate from Minnesota in the standings, put yourself in a great position to earn that tiebreaker. You won the first game in Minnesota. That was their second road win all year. So if you improve to 2-0 and against Minnesota, you have two games left against them, both at home. I like my chances to get at least one of those at home against the Timberwolves, if not both. You get that tiebreaker, which is a lot more important than the Denver Nuggets tiebreaker. I mean, I think you can just kind of say, all right, we're not catching Denver in the regular season. And I don't think really Golden State cares about catching Denver. I, I think they feel pretty confident against the Nuggets. As good as the Nuggets are and as different of a Nuggets team as it's going to be if they do play them in the playoffs this year as opposed to last year, I, I, I don't think that, that Golden State's going to be all that concerned with having to win one game in Denver. So to me, the Minnesota game, if you're going to go 2-1 and one on the, this road trip, the Minnesota game is the one to get. Well, you're on fire because that should be your focus. And I, the NBA is so much about matchups. So they're trying to utilize Rudy Gobert in a better way. And I think they are. Uh, they don't have Towns, who's probably their best player. And they've done a heck of a job. They were sinking. And they came together. And uh, they played some pretty darn good basketball. You, you touched on Edwards Better utilization of him. Uh, more touches going downhill. This guy's a great athlete. I told you before, his body reminds me a little bit of Mitch Richmond's. Uh, yeah. This guy's a terrific athlete. Uh, I'm not a big Russell guy. He's a free agent. I don't envision him being there at the end of the year, but he's done an okay job. And they're getting some good play, like out of Nas Reed and Newell, these guys off the bench, and, and McDaniel. So, uh Kudos to them. They've done a heck of a job. But let's talk about Gobert. What do you want to look for tomorrow? How are you going to get him out of the middle of the paint? Well, if you match and say, okay, let's let them throw him the ball in the low post. Let's put Draymond uh, or Loon on him and bait him into going to him. Keep it out of Edwards' hands. And on the other side of the coin... When he's on defense, get him involved in all dribble handoffs, pick and roll action. Keep that guy up high so that he has to be occupied so he isn't blocking five or six shots. So those are your game plan things with a, a unique player like him. And, uh, you know, the fun thing about that court, nowhere are you closer to the sideline when you're on the bench than that court. It's kind of crazy. I mean, you're you're one step off the court. It just feels different. And uh, 
Hmm. You know, I've always felt you had a good chance to win on that court. And I, I think they're really going to play well tomorrow and get one. I think your pointing to that game is spot on. Yeah, it, it's the one that just feels like, all right, you can take this one. You can get three games above 500. You take your chances in Denver, and, and we'll kind of see where where the chips fall. I, I want you to keep your coach's hat on, uh, Gary, because uh, he's going back to Rudy Gobert, you talk about trying to get him up high. I, I would imagine a, a lot of times now, I haven't watched enough Timberwolves this year. To, to really be able to kind of make an, an assessment on this. But obviously when he was with the Utah Jazz, he played a ton of drop coverage, and that's where a guy like Steph would just burn him if, if they involve him in the ball screen and Steph's able to get some threes up. I, I remember kind of the late comeback against the Utah Jazz last year in the fourth quarter in April where they were just kind of involving Gobert in ball screens and, and guys were just bombing away because Gobert was unable to recover and get there in time. Did you expect kind of the, the same kind of defensive mindset from from Gobert is he going to be pretty much always in drop coverage and, and if so is it just you got to hit threes yeah Kev you know he's so long you know you, you talk about north south he can go north but he can't go also south so you can't ask him yeah. to do both so this drop coverage has come in probably in the last Oh, I don't know, maybe 10 years. Now, in years ago, there used to be a lot of wing pick and rolls, but everybody pushes that pick and roll down to the baseline, and it's a lot less effective than it used to be. So most of the pick and rolls are in the middle of the floor. What do we mean by a drop uh, coverage by that big? When he's guarding the man who's setting the pick, in the old days, you'd put your hand on that guy's hip, the guy setting the pick on the, on the small, and you'd say, okay, are we going to loosen up and let the defender on the small on the ball through? Am I going to step up and show? Am I going to double team? Well, in this drop coverage, what you're trying to do is just keep that thing in the tunnel. You know, I can give up a mid-range. I know I can take away the rim. And you're doing this because... Maybe it creates a little selfish play because the ball stops moving. Well, if that thing's in Steph Curry's hand and you play drop coverage, hello, uh, that's sweet music. And and you know what? I, I think uh, that'll be the chess game tomorrow night to look for. Yeah, it'll certainly be interesting to watch. And you can catch that game on 95-7 the game starting at 430 with Tim Roy and Jim Barnett, and they are on the air at 5 for the tip time for that one. Then it's on to Denver, and honestly, I think, Gary, that the Warriors kind of catch a break that this isn't a TNT game. And I say that because there's kind of been a push from the NBA that if you're going to rest guys, that you don't rest them in nationally televised games. And case in point, the, the Lakers were playing the Nets last night in Brooklyn, and LeBron and Anthony Davis sat that one out because tonight they are playing the Knicks on TNT. Both are playing. And if kind of the decision was made or kind of, and I, I don't know how a Golden State front office and coaching staff would handle this, but if, say, the NBA suggested that they sit their guys against Minnesota instead of Denver, I, I, I think that would kind of be not of benefit to, to Golden State since I think the Minnesota game is the one 
you want to have. And so I, I, I think a little bit of a break that this isn't a TNT game and that there's less pressure, I guess, to say, hey, if you get the Minnesota game, all right, you, you want to rest some, some of your starters. Uh, that game doesn't become I – mean, it's still important. You still want to win it, but it, it, it's not as paramount. This, again, is a discussion that coaches did not have in the old days. Guys took pride in playing 82. Yeah. We, didn't, we didn't have this, uh, you know, they're managing or looking at their uh, heart rate and looking at their, uh, how the, what type of condition they're in and that kind of thing. Do they need a rest? And, you know, you got guys coming at you, giving you a lecture. Coaches didn't have that in the past. And so your breakdown of this thing, hey, you know what? You're being real. You got a better shot to win. Uh, this game than the Denver game. It's the same thing I would say with the Lakers. Uh, you bring in TNT, but if I'm sitting there, I'm saying I got a, a better chance to beat the Knicks than I do the yep. Nets, who've been playing very, very well. And sure. uh, But let's keep in mind, uh, let's say you do rest some guys against Denver. Ah, we might have another Cleveland on our hands. Yeah. Yeah. where they shock everybody and get one of the great wins of the entire season. And, you know, it, it brings me to this point. you got to start singing some praise for DiVincenzo. And I'm really excited that uh, Green is back, uh, Jamichael Green. Those are two vets who know how to play. Happy to see Kaminga back out there. So, you know, you're getting some bench play. That's really solid, and whether you decide to start big with with Loon and, and Draymond, or you go with only one big and then pool starts, so then you'd have a big coming off the bench, you're feeling like you got a, oh, I don't know, I guess I'm going to say like a nine-man rotation, and, yeah. uh, and, and it feels pretty darn good to me. You know, the, the rotation really is solidifying itself, especially with how Dante DiVincenzo has played recently. I, I like what I've seen from Jermichael Green. And to your point about DiVincenzo, he had one of his games recently, he, he had the 12.11 assists affair against Toronto, uh, and, and he just really fits the system well. Jonathan Kaminga has been really, really good. Played some nice defense in spots against a, a very tough cover of Shea Gilgis-Alexander last night, it, especially early in the first quarter when he, he forced some really tough shots for, for Shea Gilgis-Alexander. So uh, that that really has caught my eye from, from those guys. I, I do like where this kind of rotation is solidifying. But to go back to kind of the, the rest conversation that is being had across the NBA, it, Sterling and Cam, if, if we do have it, I'd, I'd like to play this quote from Steph Curry last night. He, he's saying it's not just that players don't want to play. Steph Curry wants to play on both ends of back-to-backs. This is what he had to say after the game, and Gary, I'd like to get your response after. Uh, I usually campaign to play every game, so that's the uh, misconception about load management and how it goes. It's never the player that's usually saying, hey, I want to sit. So for all those people that are worried about uh, that part of our, our league and all that, it's usually not the player that's going to the training staff and saying, hey, I don't have it tonight. It's usually the other way around, and there's a lot of science involved. So, yes, I will campaign to play, but we'll see how it goes. Boy, that's a very, very well said by one of the elder statesmen in the entire league uh, who has everybody's respect. And uh, you know what? Fans should take that to heart. And then let's piggyback on what Steve Kerr had to say. 
this past week. As a, as a coach, uh, you know, he, he doesn't want those guys to be uh, having to take games off. Uh, it's like, yeah. uh, you know, there's families that travel hundreds or thousands of miles to come and see Steph play on the road. Um, and they're sad. I mean, you, you can see kids with tears. Look at the other night when that young lady that's, uh, I think, leading the league and shooting threes, when when she got to meet Steph, she walked yep. away and hugged her man, her mom, and big tears in her eyes. I mean, th- this guy's this guy's really special. I mean, you know, we're, we're looking at this watching LeBron, but people want to see Steph Curry play. And let me tell you something. They still want to see the Warriors. Uh, so... With that said, uh, I think Steve and uh, and Cl- uh, Steph are right on, and I don't have the answer for you. Steph, uh, Steve talked about going to 72 games. Some money's got to be given up uh, yeah. because that's less gate receipts, and they'd have to negotiate that stuff with the Players Association. The cap would come down. The salaries would come down. Uh, I don't know how that's all going to come together. That that That's a tough one, but... Uh, if we're going to stay in this um, mindset with the science uh, dictating a lot when they're going to play and not play, boy, I, I don't have an answer for you. That's a tough one. It is not an easy answer, and there is no simple solution to this one. I, I do think we are not close to shrinking the schedule from 82 games down to 70-something or high 60s or or whatever kind of the suggestion Maybe Steve Kerr has said 72 in the past. I I don't know. That does seem like not something that's immediately going to happen. But, of course, things could change. Well, hey, Dub Nation. If they have that tournament that they're talking about, that would cut it down to, what, 78? But but they – yeah, they're talking about 78, but – it also could still be worked into an 82 game format as well. So like the, the details aren't all the way worked out on that. But what we do know is that this mid season tournament is going to happen. I think at some point sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think you're right. That's a tough question. It's a tough problem. Hey, Dub Nation, when you spend $25 or more at Warriors Shop with Rakuten, you will get a free exclusive Empowered Basketball. Sign up now at Rakuten.com Warriors. This offer is only valid while supplies last. We're going to take our final break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up with a, with a take that I have that I know Dub Nation does not agree with, but I do want to... Give my side of the story on this one. We'll take a look ahead to the big matchup with the Dallas Mavericks on Saturday. And we'll take a look at the Western Conference chase for the postseason. On the other side of this timeout right here on 95.7 The Game. Kevin Dana and Gary St. Jean are holding court. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! At the Warriors Roundtable. You can't handle the truth! Curry, screened by Draymond Curry, gets free for three. Got it! On 95.7 The Game. Now back to Kevin Dana and Gary St. Jean. Let's take a look at the upcoming broadcast presented by Ticketmaster tomorrow in Minnesota. That's where the dubs are, 4.30 on the air, 5 p.m. tip time on 95.7 with Tim 
Roy and Jim Barnett. Then the back end of the back-to-back at Denver, 5.30 on the air, 6 p.m. tip time on 95.7. The Dubs return home to take on the Dallas Mavericks on Saturday, 5.30 p.m. tip, 5 p.m. on air. Black History Month celebration for that game presented by Chase. Then Monday, Bruce Lee night as the Warriors take on the Thunder for the second time in a week. 6.30 on the air, 7 p.m. tip time. Tim Roy and Tom Tolbert for that one. And then the Warriors are in Portland Wednesday, February 8th, 6.30 on the air, 7 p.m. tip time. You can listen to all the action on 95.7 The Game. Coming up after us, it's Dan Devone and Alan Stiles. Here on 95.7, they'll take you from 7 to 10 p.m. Now, before we kind of take a a quick look ahead at the Western Conference and and Luka Doncic, what he did last night, before this gets too stale, and and it was six days ago now, I do want to give a little bit of a defense for Jordan Poole against the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, obviously, Steph had the better look. You'd rather have Steph shoot the three. Then Jordan Poole shoot three. I'm talking about the offensive rebound you're up to with a minute 20 to go against the Memphis Grizzlies. Of course, Jordan Poole takes a 30-footer. Steph gets upset, throws his mouthpiece, gets gets ejected. Eventually, Jordan Poole hits the game-winning layup. But I don't think this shot was nearly as egregious as a lot of people think it is. You know, like, in that time, with about a minute 20 to go, the shot clock on an offensive rebound doesn't reset to 24 anymore. It resets to 14. So you can't kill a ton of time. And with that much time left, you need to score. Scoring is more important than taking an extra 8, 9 seconds off the clock because you're not going to win the game by not scoring anymore if you're up to with a minute 20 to go, especially not in today's game. I would much rather have someone who is cocky or confident enough to take that shot, like a Jordan Poole, than, than someone who isn't. Now, would I rather him pass the ball than Stephen Curry? Yes. And, Gary, you talked about going from good to great, good shot to great shot. It, you know, I think Jordan Poole took an okay shot there instead of giving it up for the great shot. But to me, it wasn't a bad shot because another reason, the best time to shoot threes, off an offensive rebound. The defense was not settled. He got a pretty clean look. It was a deep look, but it was a pretty clean look. And I personally can live with that. I think a lot of fans were upset, and they see Steph being upset, so they're going to get upset, and rightfully so, right? Steph is the leader here. He is the guy who has provided highlight after highlight for the last 14 years for Warriors fans. But I really didn't have that big of a problem with that Jordan Poole shot. I was curious to get your thoughts, Gary. Well, first, it's very hard as a Springfield College physical education major to beat a Stanford guy in a debate. So I'm swimming upstream here. But uh, I will share with you that I'm huge in the NBA into game management. And I'm all about time and score. Uh, the last three minutes, two minutes of the game. And uh, I just think it's an example of uh, this guy not tuned in late game situation. And um, I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. And I thought you saw that's one of the first times in Steph's entire career that I've, I've seen him uh, dis, you know, display that kind of emotion on the floor. And uh, your point about... Uh, the offensive rebound, 
and shooting a three is right on. You're right on about the 14 seconds. But uh, I'm old school, and I want the ball in the greatest shooter in the history of the game's hands. Uh, I thought the shot was four feet behind Steph, who was standing at the three-point line. And again, score. You're up two. So, uh, listen, that young guy uh, has had an up-and-down year, and uh, I'm not hiding it. He's going to be a big key in, in this run of the last 30 games and in the playoffs because you need that third scorer, and he can be that guy. Uh, I also think that Wiggins is going to come back into form, and I think that's going to be I big. Do too. But I, I understand your, your, uh, your dissertation on this subject, but uh, I'll, I'll politely go the other way. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I know I'm on an island with this one. And, and I, I'm not saying it was the best shot to take there. I, I agree with everyone else. I agree with you that Steph was the guy to pass it to there. I'm just saying I, I don't think the extra few seconds that it would have taken off the clock were that valuable. At that, If it was a four-point game and the shot clock reset to 24, I would have a completely different feel about it. But since it's a one-possession game and, and you need to be aggressive... I was I was okay with it. Uh, we we got one minute left here on Warriors Roundtable, and, and the next game coming up after uh, when they get back home is Dallas. It'll be a primetime game on ABC uh, in addition to ninety five seven the game. And Luka Doncic, I'm sure you watched it, Gary, with your son on the coaching staff. Fifty three point masterpiece against Detroit. Uh, he is balling right now. Well, Jerome Allen, the assistant coach for Detroit started chirping to him early in the game. Yeah. And Saw and that, that was a mistake because Luca likes that. There's a lot of NBA players that like it. And as uh, Casey p- pointed out, you know, he coached uh, Garnett and uh, forget the other guy. Oh, and Gary Payton. So it was minor league. But it did get on uh, Doncic, and he put on a show last night. Remember that he had two games rest with an ankle issue. He was fresh legs. He's being asked to do a ton. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this to you. Uh, they're not playing well. They really aren't. And if he's not at yeah. top level, they're struggling to win. Uh, it, it's, it's a team that I think is a 500 team. I've got them below the Warriors. I'm in agreement with you uh, that the Warriors could get three or four. I think they're going up. I think, uh, for example, Phoenix is going up. But Luka's not, he doesn't have any guys around him that uh, are the second and third guy. Uh, Like giving up Brunson, I'm looking at him driving to the basket right here. Yeah. Losing Brunson is just a killer. It's just, there's no other way for me to say it. So that's going to be a tough game for Dallas on Saturday. Yeah, it, it really is for for the Mavericks who are now percentage points behind Golden State in the sixth spot and look Phoenix is playing really well uh they're playing better I should say they've won a couple in a row even with uh Devin Booker out though he should be nearing a return the Clippers are starting to turn the corner they've had a healthy Kawhi and Paul George for the most part they're up six in the fourth quarter against the Bulls so look some of these teams are going to start separating themselves from kind of that four to 13 malaise that is the Western Conference and it's time for the Warriors to start kind of keeping up with those other Joneses 
pieces that are going to start stacking wins. Well, that will do it for us tonight. A big thank you to Cam Williams and Sterling Bennett for running the show behind the scenes. For Gary St. Jean, I'm Kevin Dan. Keep it locked here on 95.7 The Game. For Dan Devone and Alan Stiles, they'll have you from 7 to 10 p.m. We'll talk to you next week on Warriors Roundtable. Have a great evening, everyone. You've been listening to the Warriors Roundtable. Curry brings it through. One hand three. Up and good. On the exclusive home of your Golden State Warriors. That playful and nailed it. 95-7, the game. For tickets, call 888-GSW-HOOP.